0: Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland Podcast.
1: We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to
0: intentionality,
1: diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy. Uh, So I introduced myself earlier. My name's Kurt. I'm I'm a co-pastor here. And this is...
0: My name's Scott, and I am a solicitor. No, I'm, (laughs) I'm just part of this community who uh, gets to share sometimes, and uh, I make my living as a professional artist, which makes me an interesting person, I guess, Uh, because people are like, how do you make a living? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, (laughs) That's how it is. But uh, yeah, former pastor, spiritual director, artist, author, and a, a guy learning how to stretch in his 40s. There we go. Hey. I hadn't I didn't plan an introduction, so I'm just whatever's coming to my head. I'm yes anding you. Okay. Hey, you did a great job. Thank Scott. you. <laughs> yeah, I'll journal that Sunday. tonight <laughs> in my diary.
1: So uh this was a number of weeks ago, maybe like a couple of months ago, we were talking about Cascade and kind of where we were, and we talked about this idea of something called liturgical flow, meaning kind of how we structure and flow through a Sunday morning. And Scott came up and shared about it, and the example he used is like when we do church, there's no thing that we like have to do. So if you grew up in like Protestant evangelical church in in America, you're like, well, you got to sing. You got to collect the tithe and someone has to preach. Otherwise it's not a church service. Yeah.
0: I've made my, uh, for a long time, I live painted at churches and I still do that a bit, but I was telling this to Kurt. I was like, you know there's, I was like, because there's three untouchables, it's that thing, because everything else is special, right? And if you grew up in a church, they would be like, we have a special guest this morning, or we have a special music, or a special thing, like, there's three things that we don't say are special, everything else added is a special edition, yeah, I'm special, that's all I'm saying. You are special. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks, yeah.
1: And one of the examples Scott used is like, every Sunday, we could just have a pinata and DJ, and that could be <laughs> church, and immediately everyone was like... What, are we signing up for that church? Because I'm kind of all about the pinata and DJ church. So what we did to just as a reminder that none of what we do has to be done. There's actually something deeper that we're trying to wake up to. This is a profound theological truth. Are you with me? We are waking up to the nature of God. And what better way to remember that? then to smash a pinata full of candy. There we go. And then we're going to pass the Thai things. They're just going to be filled with candy, and you can take what you want, and we're yeah. going to pass them around. So, so we're going to
0: experience that.
1: I do want a volunteer. We need a
0: volunteer for the liturgical. Sam, that was so fast. Come on up The here. liturgical pinata yep. this morning. Yep. We're not going to blindfold you because we don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah, uh,
1: and... Just for the sake of whatever, I am very much against the blindfolding part of the pinata. Why are we making this harder? Just smash the... Okay. Violence and candy. Whoo.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Well, we didn't see that one coming. <laughs> no. <laughs> there
1: we go. Sam, job well done. Job well done. We're going to, I'm going to take <laughs> that from you. You can take that. Hey, thank you, Sam. Can we give Sam a round of applause?
0: Nice job. I feel like we're supposed to shout, I am Sparta at the end of that. I don't, that just got. <laughs> really
1: if you were over yeah, there. No. Yeah, no, take it down and just empty it out. Oh,
0: No. Definitely, just, <laughs> definitely a cult.: There yeah, you exactly. go.. Paul. Thank you.: There it is. coming out. Also I don't we, know. I think we should do that every Sunday. That's is, is pretty great.:
1: That felt cathartic.: to Yeah, watch it, a little did.
0: Bit. it did,
1: it did. we can no make hurt. the
0: pinata a different object every week of something we need to bust open and receive <laughs> the gift of? I don't know.. Yeah. Anyways.
1: It will just be See. your heart every Sunday. There we go. Open your heart. Open your heart. Whack, Whack. whack. can. And here's the thing. This isn't Planet Fitness, but it is a no-judgment zone. So, (laughs) when we pass around the candy, no judging what your neighbor decides is a good candy. If they want Twizzlers, let them have the Twizzlers, okay? Uh, But, yeah, pick what you want is best.
0: All right, Scott. So, uh, hey, oh, can we put the slide up? Uh, Liturgical flow. Yeah. So, I think what... uh, I came to Kurt a while ago, and I just said, hey, uh, I really love this community and what's going on here, but we really need to think about kind of what do we do when we gather together. And and I know that there has been thought, and the people who prepare the music and the sermon and all the things, there is preparation and stuff, but, you know, we everything is invented in this. And so uh, and the joke that I made at that time why we have a pinata was like, Look, if what spiritually formed us the most was having a DJ and a pinata every Sunday, we would do that. But we're part of a long tradition of human beings who've gathered together. And so we do sing because singing in a group is a transformational experience. And so we're part of this long tradition, thousands and thousands of years of human beings doing that. And so we continue to do that. But that is just the mechanics And that is just the mechanics trying to get us to the essence. And if the mechanics stopped working or they get in the way, then we need to move to something else. It's all very fluid. But what happens to us is we become, we can control the mechanics, so we become obsessed about the mechanics. And then we make a religion about belonging or are you in, are you out, based upon do you do these mechanics, right? But we're really, they're just there to help us to get to the essence, which is, we're trying to, uh, we're, we're coming together because we know there's an aspect of God that we can experience by going and looking at a sunset or going walking in the woods. But there's also an aspect of God that he invites us into and says, be with each other. Uh, uh, do this thing together. Uh, I am in the midst of you when you are gathered. And so we're, we're here because we're really, our heart's desire is to somehow experience and know God. And this is the avenue in which God is inviting us to do that. And so uh, we want to we be really specific about, like, how are what, – what kind of structures or mechanics can we put in place to help us do that and what we think is important in our practice of that, in our formation of that. Um, I do a lot of <laughs> professional religion work, I guess. No, like, so if I was here last Sunday for Easter. Uh, I haven't been home for Easter for, like, seven years because – when you're a live painter, churches want to do a big thing on Sunday, and that's a really good gig for me. Uh, but this year, I had an opportunity to do that, and I was doing stuff in, for Holy Week, and I was like, no, I just don't want to. And, um, but I was telling Kurt, I was like, honestly, like, Easter stopped really being a fun, like, I never got it. Like, I just stopped getting it over the last five years, which is weird because that's often, like, the highlight of our, our uh, what our church like in our church calendar, and I think what this week as I was wrestling through that, what hit me is because uh, I feel like a lot of the time churches would be like, he's risen, he's risen, and it's like you're standing on the outside watching this thing happen, and you're like, yeah, but what does that mean for us? And I felt like a lot of the services I was at never really got into like, well, is that something we're participating in or we're just looking at? And this week it hit me, I was like, you know, it's like watching the Food Network, Can you show the slide? It's like watching the Food Network when you watch all these, like, Top Chef or these cooking shows and stuff, and you're like, that looks amazing, but what I really want is just to be at a meal, right? I want to participate. I want to be eating. I don't want to just be looking through a screen at other people eating. And so really, like, the resurrection is something that is not to be just, like, looked at and be like, yay, our team won, as much as, oh, this is something I'm being invited to participate in. And so in our services, we're we, we are given ways of participation by singing together, doing communion. And so we want to we be really specific that these are not things that we're going to do to just observe as much as they're things that we need to find ourselves in and participate in. And we're going to talk about how if you want to be involved in creating these things, uh, we want to start creating that kind of uh, inner involvement. So well, I started making a list of things, and then Kurt and I started meeting and talking through um, – Some of these things. We'll get to that, but you're going
1: to So, Scott actually turned me on to uh, this podcast by this guy, Seth Godin, and he told this story that I thought was fascinating. So, he talked about, like, when you remember back to the beginning of Netflix, (laughs) oh, so long ago, (laughs) uh, remember, like, it was just the, it would mail you DVDs. That was what they did. But the revolution of Netflix (laughs) was no late fees. And if you think back to the beginning when Netflix was very first starting, what has become kind of a cultural joke now, Blockbuster was the juggernaut of DVDs. They owned the global DVD market. It was where, like, Friday night, you were like, dang it, they're all dummy copies. Like, all the real ones are checked out. They're all gone. And he talked about in this podcast that when – they were meeting. Blockbuster was talking about Netflix coming up, and could they compete with them, and should they drop their late fees? And they looked at their budget report for the year, and they found out that $100 million, or maybe it was $1 billion. No,
0: no, no. Oh, and no, it was $880 million That's right. had come from late fees.
1: $880 million in revenue for Blockbuster was all from late fees. So they voted down dropping it and starting to distribute DVDs. Basically, what, the point that he made was Blockbuster decided they were a late fee company. And that created their demise. And I feel like there's a lot of churches that have become late fee organizations. That we've created these structures and now we have to serve the structures instead of, whoa, 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 why did you, Blockbuster didn't get started to collect late fees they got started to do something else. And ultimately, we need to always keep on coming back to, why, wait, why are we doing this? You, the Brunch exists. We have other places we could be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, brunch, the official religion of Portland. We all know. <laughs> we do know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And so we always have to go back and say, if we're here, why are we here? And let's get to the heart of that over and over again. Otherwise, you fade into irrelevance. And we show up and you're doing the the mechanics, the thing that's supposed to help you connect with God. But no one's actually connecting with God anymore. So as we talk about all these things, that's the hope of what we're trying to do. Now, um, if you're kind of looking for the the basis or the understanding, like how did we kind of frame the things we're going to share? Uh, It came from kind of looking at our understanding all throughout scripture of how, in a lot of the narratives and a lot of different songs and worship, that a lot of the elements we're going to talk about were present. So, I want to read for you if you have your Bible with you or an app, we're going to look at Psalm 42. Um, And the Psalms are a great way of kind of understanding worship and who God is. These are written uh, by different people that were trying to connect with God, primarily by David, King David. but how do we understand who God is? And what I love about the Psalms is the Psalms are very different worship than a lot of our present-day worship music, which is like, God's really good all the time. Isn't that great? Amen. And you're singing things. You're like, I don't know I believe any of this, but you know, that's the next line on the screen. Here we go. Where a lot of the, the Psalms were arriving at an understanding like that, but they were going through the path of pain and the complexity of life. And so, here we go. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And if you grew up in church, you're like, Oh, it's the deer? <laughs> Panteth. 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 Oh. Panteth. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, were, you, were, you were already there in your head, so let's just <laughs> acknowledge that. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. In this, oh, here we go. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. My Savior and my God, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all the waves and breakers have swept over me. By, the day, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as the foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The thing that I hope you experience when you hear those words is there's something that resonates as truer than true about the struggle of being downcast, feeling out, feeling pain and suffering by the complexity of life, and yet also feeling that, but there is still hope yet in this world, and yet God is present in even this. And so it's not we're going to acknowledge the presence of God and all the goodness of God at the exclusion of the hard things, and it's not we're going to focus on the hard things because this is all that there is to the story. It's trying to sit with both of those at the same time, which is something culturally, as people, we don't do well. We try and resolve the tensions and pick one. And what we were trying to create in this is how are we holding both of those tensions? How are we acknowledging that there are very real fears And sadness is in grief in this room. And there's also hope and there's joy that's present in this room. And not in like, you're the sad people, you're the joyful people. But in each and every one of us, both of those things are living at the same time.
0: Yeah. Um, So the first one is called an invitation to presence. Um, Some of the things that we wanted to do is kind of reword some of the things maybe we're familiar with. Maybe you grew up in a church that said a call to worship. Um, And that is a great descriptor. We thought an invitation to presence uh, was a bit more dynamic. And and I'm just going to model it for you as like an idea of where this comes from. And it's kind of tied in with what Kurt was saying. So an invitation to presence. Some of us are tired. Some of us are jazzed to be here. Some of us are just walking in and... This would be at the beginning of a service, right? Some of us just walking in and never knew that we even did a call to worship. Some of us just dropped our kids off and are catching our breath for the first time since 6 a.m. Some of us can't have kids and wish for that scenario. Some of us aren't married and wish even to have the choice at either one of those scenarios. Some of us are in really good seasons. Some of us are filled with gratitude at all of this. Some of us feel like we're being ringed out like a soap-filled wash rag, being prepared to clean up some mess. Some of us can't pay rent. Some of us are oozing with joy at the house we just bought. Some of us are moving and are really going to miss this place. Some of us have been at this church for years, and some of us secretly don't believe in any of this anymore, but came because someone we love does. Some of us walked in for the first time and are thinking, does this guy do this all the time? Because I'm not sure if this is my thing. Look at us the sum but the sum of its parts added the sum of its parts is added up to a whole and right now we are whole the whole of us we are here we are holy here this is holy and Jesus said when two or more are gathered in my name I'm there too so Jesus is here in his mysteriously invisible intimately inescapable way he's here i mean that's why we're here right we came to find him to find God, because there's a lot going on, and I have some concerns, requests. Desperate hail Mary's in my darkest hour. Since he says he's in our midst, I hope you can hear these words. Jesus said, your father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. What did you come to ask for? What's the list you have? What kept you up last night? It's already known. It's already known. We're already known. So as we wholly continue in this holy time, what if we start here, past requests, past concerns, past the anxiety of if God hears our prayers or not, and let's begin at what he knows, which is us, which is here, which is now. So let's receive the gift of that presence. When we talk about, like, getting together, we need to, like, you know, take a moment to kind of create this... (laughs) I just got out of my car and I came in to, like, what is this? And so an invitation to presence um, is not that we need to go, hey, God, would you pay attention to us now? We're not That's voodoo, right? We're not trying to get God's attention. Our, when we gather, we need to take a pause to go, God has been in, in our midst. God is here. We are here. What's the conversation we're being invited to? And, and that's where we kind of start. So there's this invitation to presence.
1: Uh, when I was growing up going to church, one of the family jokes we had was the best fights happened on the way to church. <laughs> and part of what we want to do in the invitation to presence is acknowledge that some of there is the realities that led us here and brought us here that preceded us before we walked in the door. Because we don't want to fall into either extreme of saying, ignore it, drop those fights at the door. And we also don't want to say, come up front, work it out in front of all of us but we want to acknowledge that it's present with all of us so we can see and acknowledge what is the presence of God in the midst of that. And it's a unique space that we feel like you can't just walk in the door and expect, oh, we're all here now. We need to stop. We need to pause. We need to create that. The next thing we want to do as a part of our services have our confession of fear. Um, fear is this really powerful invisible force that I think is driving and moving in us all the time. And the thing that I think should create the greatest fear in us isn't the fears we know, but the fears we don't know, the fears we have not yet acknowledged, because those are usually the most powerful fears for driving behavior and moving. One of the, the things that's been really helpful for me and why we put confession of fear is I think fear operates in us. Um, like someone who's just very studious and is observing everything inside of our brain and is constantly evaluating threats. So just imagine like a very studious person like, uh uh-oh, that preacher guy looks like he's going to cause you to have to speak to the people sitting by you. Oh, no, you have (laughs) sitting in the wrong spot. You have nothing interesting to share. Uh, This is going to be really embarrassing and awkward. And I think we hear that voice and intrinsically we run from it. We just run from that voice and saying, ah, no, 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 it's going to be fine. I'm going I'm to do all right. I'm going to have a great time. When if we would just confess that's a fear within us, if we would just turn to that person inside of us that is studiously taking notes and evaluating all the threats and say, I know, I know. Yeah, this could be really awkward. That's going to be okay. I think the fear within us says, okay, check mark. You heard it. You've acknowledged it. We can move on. And the confession of fear isn't that we have to get to the root of all of our deepest, darkest fears. It's also not the surface level. We're not going to talk about it, you know, and scary dogs. (laughs) We're going to talk about (laughs) they are scary, scary, though. (laughs) That was a Pennywise comment. Are you guys with me, clowns? You can be scared of clowns. I'm not talking about those fears. I'm talking about fear of failure, imposter syndrome. And I'm talking about fear of success, I'm talking about fear of letting others down. And we don't have to acknowledge all of it, but what's one fear that we can say and acknowledge every Sunday and say, I confess that this is within me and this is here, because this is hopefully a safe space to acknowledge that fear and let it know, I know, I see it too.
0: Uh, the next one is hospitality of grief or sadness. Um, A lot of our experiences in churches have been the emotional perspective, you know, spectrum is like joy, praise, happiness, you know, and that's all we get. And uh, we wanted to make a space because, like Kurt was saying earlier, we we, none of us are without any kind of grief. And uh, to never acknowledge that or give a space for that is we're missing an aspect of relating to God. And so. this doesn't mean we're going to get, like, super sad, or, I mean, we can. I'm an Enneagram 4, so that's just, like, standard for me. But uh, one of the things that I pitched to Kerr is, like, could we do this idea of, like, a moment of image contemplation? I also want to say, we'll probably say this at the end, but, like, all of these things we're talking about aren't alongside, like, music and tithing and preaching. Those three things incorpor- are incorporated into some of these. So these are just kind of, like, uh, the movements we want to do, and we're going to incorporate all those kinds of things. But one of the things that I pitched to Kurt, because churches don't do this—I mean, unless you're Catholic and you have things in your building—but is like an, a moment of image, image contemplation. So I have an image that uh, that I I created and I posted this week on social media. But I was thinking about it, and uh, what we wanted—one of the functions of image is uh, is that it's an excavation tool and because it causes our right side of the brain to look at it our left side of the brain wants to go it this is the meaning this is what it means this is the story but our right side of the brain will go oh i don't I, it'll approach it completely differently and that causes you to bring your own story to it and so we were like what if we and we maybe we're probably not going to do this like every week, but what if every now and then we just had a moment where, we, where somebody was able to bring something, they were able to lead us in that and go, this is something I would like to offer the community as like a place for us to kind of un- excavate that story within in us. Um, so let's do that for 30 seconds. Just <laughs> we'll silently look at this and just see what comes up, all right? Um, You don't have to look at, if you want to look away, that's fine too, but it's the thing. I'm going to keep track. So I'm the person who made this, so obviously there's a story to it. But for me, and I, I was telling this to Kurt, he's known me well enough that I travel a bit, and then I know that the day I get back, I'm, I'm okay. The next day, I'm really tired, and then the next day, I get really depressed. And uh, I'm learning how to deal with that low because my body, my, phys, my physical body's evening out. And I'm learning practices to deal with that kind of resetting. And this is very much that, which is, like, I need to – I was talking to somebody about this. I was, like, the practices I've been learning is, like, I need to go on a walk. I need to eat some nachos. I need to, like, go swim or I need to, like, sit. Like, I got to get out of my head because my body is, like – and I I get into my body. And so this very much has been a practice to me. Like, I'm low, but I need to be filled. You know, I need to take this time to get filled up, and that's going to come through my actual physical physicalness and stuff like that. But, so that's kind of an idea of, like, uh, of giving hospitality, giving a space for this, whatever, if it's, it's, if it's our psychological or physical or these kinds of grief or sadness we're embodying.
1: And the word hospitality we chose really intentionally because at first we had acknowledgement and we're like, but it's got to be more than that. We don't sit with grief and sadness very well culturally in the West and in the United States. Let's sit with it because it's here, it's there for a reason, um, and it becomes most dangerous when we're not giving hospitality to it. Oh, yeah, and we said, uh,
0: what if entertaining the divine visitation was in your grief and sadness? Yeah. Remember we, Remember we talked about that? We're like, whoa! That was okay. so good. We should say it on Sunday. <coughs> yeah, okay, we did. Check. Um. I hope you're loving this. By the way, this is the <laughs> traditionally, I think, one of the least attended Sundays of the year is after Easter, so... We just brought this amazingness to you on that day. Two day
1: after travel, Scott is here in the room this morning. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's kidding. Next one, uh, we have release of shame. Um, So I read this fascinating study that talked about animals and how animals, mammals uh, don't carry uh, PTSD in the same way that humans do. And one of the studies that they were looking at is they have videos of like impalas who are basically attacked and they're playing dead, but then something scares the first animal away and they're able to like come back. In response to that shock and that emotional charge, the charge of adrenaline, and then kind of their body shutting down, they physically shake out. They will physically shake out that experience and then be able to run and move and go again. And what the study was acknowledging is that there's aspects of our fight or flight, there's aspects of pain and trauma that we've experienced in our lives and the traditional certainly not for everyone in this room but the traditional invitation is don't cry, don't make a scene, keep moving, keep going. And we don't allow time to release these things that are within us. We don't get a time to physically move. And when we talked about release of shame, we talked about it as a physical movement, a manifestation to release. Because I think in church specifically, uh, more recently, it's kind of become the behavior modification centers. Let's come and talk about your bad behaviors and why they make God really upset, so stop doing them. Which... um, is not a really successful mode of actually changing behavior. But the one thing it's excellent at is giving and imparting shame. And so we carry this heavy weight that I am bad. I'm doing bad things. I've done bad things. I don't know that I'm worthy or present here. And that, holding it within our body, that kind of shame, is toxic. So how do we release that? And say, not that, well, we can do whatever I want, God's good with it. But rather, how do we say that holding on to shame about our identity, our core identity of who we are, is killing us? But getting in touch with our core identity as a beloved child of God is a better place to start, and that shame will not serve us and never serves us. It never helps us become more of who we were created to be. So, how are we releasing that in service?
0: Yeah, that was, and traditionally, maybe we'd call this in a service confession of sin, but I think for a lot of us, that's become, like, and That's a longer conversation, but it's just like, oh, now I got to talk about all the ways I'm bad, and we're like, no, that wasn't the function of it. The function of it is to help us to like be able to release that, so we can begin to be healed, and, and that was the function of it. So we just changed it to release of shame, and we also said that probably a lot of the ways we're gonna do that is gonna be through comedy, if, like, and not just like this somber, like, let's talk about our darkest secrets, but. Giving an invitation through, like, the kind of – what we love about comedy is, uh, like, the comedian gets up and, like, shares the secrets. We all laugh and go, that's true. And then we're kind of released, and we want to do some kind of thing like that where it's, like, there's kind of a bit of a laugh, like, yeah, me too. And uh, and then we can move on together. Uh, the next one is then uh, the promise of hope, um, which is, uh, you know, hope is not um, – Hope is, like, knowing the author hasn't finished the story yet and, uh, and knowing that our story isn't over and that something new could come out of that. Uh, and that is uh, where we receive forgiveness and grace and love. Uh, I have this quote that I think is, like, particularly gets onto this where um, this person named uh, who has a spiritual director named Sister Margaret Uh, They were saying, uh, she told me this, that the earth is very old and our God is very patient. God is a gardener. Gardeners don't go around kicking the cabbages telling them to grow faster. And that is some of the grace that we get to receive that the promise of hope is that God is a good gardener and uh, is not kicking us the cabbages to grow faster, but is very patient in our development uh, as whole people.
1: And that promise of hope is that we don't tether it to, and it will look like this. And then you'll be happier, you'll be healthier in the future. But the story of the resurrection is that even when we face death and the loss of hope, we know that we have a promise that in the future, there is a new hope. There's a new, and not Star Wars, there's a new way (laughs) that this life rises again. And we get to experience that. And so you even heard it in the Psalms, we hold to a reality we're not in now, but we hold that there is, there is more tomorrow. There's something new tomorrow. There's a new life yet to be experienced. The next moment we put in is the celebration of joy. Um, part of the, the celebration of joy is that this is not happiness. Um, and a lot of you know the difference. Happiness is, is an emotion. Happiness is something that you're not really in charge of. And it's usually um, circumstantially dependent. So uh, one of the things is uh, a comedian I heard once, it's like they say that money can't buy happiness. But have you ever seen anybody frowning on a jet ski? Um, (laughs) It's a good joke because what it gets at is that there's certain things that circumstantially when you're involved in them, they make you happy. Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. That's not what we're talking about. Joy is a deep-seated awareness that I'm okay the things in this world, as hard and difficult as they may be, that there will be goodness yet. And we can celebrate that I am joyful about who I am today, who God has made me, and how I show up in the world. Um, and so it's a deep-seated, non-circumstantially, because we don't want to say, well, you can't celebrate joy if you're having a hard day or week. Um, but rather to say a celebration of joy is more deeply rooted than that. Um, And one of the ways that we're going to continue to celebrate that, uh, if you have kids here, um, one of my greatest fears as a child is that I would wake up in the middle of the night and come in the living room and I would see my parents just watching my favorite cartoons without me. And they're like, no, 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 go back to bed, go back to bed. I'm like, what? You're watching Thundercats without me? And I had that thought, if kids come up and see this, do you know how sad they're going to be? Like, wait, you guys did pinatas up there? So part of our celebration of joy for today is after you get your kids, we have a second pinata uh, that we're going to set up for the kids to be able to come here. And a second liturgical pinata? A second liturgical pinata! We're really pinata! getting deep into this.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to want to do Oprah. And you get a pinata! And you get a pinata. <laughs> we don't have that many pinatas. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And then finally, uh, the last one is uh, permission to engage. I think we're still working on the wording to this because it feels a little Star Trek. It feels a little Jean-Luc Picard to me, like make it so number one. So, but um, the invitation into that, we, uh, that we're that we all invited to engage in this world, engage with the God who's in this world at the place we're at and in this community and on our own. And, and it's kind of a sending out, a benediction, right? Um, and so uh, hopefully a lot of these things, well, our, our hope is, is that we're going to, we're communally going to bring our stories and our narratives to these things. We're going to become, we're going to tap into our writers and our creators to help us give some prayers, give some words, give some images, give some songs to all of these things. Um, and so I give you a prayer that uh, came uh, out of a lot of suffering, but I have up on my wall and it helps me know that God is inviting me to co-create. Uh, in this world. And that prayer is like as a benediction. Can we go to that last one? Boom. Next one. There we go. So as an example is like, you will be given everything you need to accomplish what you have been asked to do. What God has invited you or called you to do in your life, you will be given everything. So go, go in the joy and the strength and the confidence of that goodness. So those are some things
1: And so there's two things that I want you to be able to walk away with. One, every time we do a Sunday morning, uh, we don't want to create something that only works if you like, well, you'll be back next week. So for you, this isn't just what we're doing here at church, but the invitation for all of these is how are we incorporating this into our daily lives? How are we not just on Sunday because someone created or sang a song about it, but how are we daily releasing our shame? confessing our fear, celebrating our joy? How are we giving hospitality to our grief and our sadness? How are we sitting with the promise of hope? How are we being present to it all and how are we giving ourselves permission to engage, to show up to it? So my hope for you is that you would start doing that work this week. The second thing is this isn't something, Scott talked about the Food Network, that's gonna be done, but it's something that's gonna be created in. And our hope is in sharing this, that it would spark something for some of you to say, hey, when you talked about that thing, when you talked about uh, the release of shame, I want to help be a part of that team. I want to help think about different ways that we can release shame on a Sunday-to-Sunday basis. Um, Because really our idea is that our liturgical flow would be built by us, and we would have teams of people over each one of those that are thinking of new and different ways of bringing out that movement and service every single week. So what's a song we sing? What's an image we reflect on? What's a reading that we do? And there's a planned diversity of engagement because we know that we don't all learn and engage the same ways. Uh, So if you're interested in this, come talk to me, email me, let me know what sparks your interest because we're going to start gathering together soon. So with that, would you all stand? (sighs) May you go... Today and this week, knowing that God is with you and God has given you everything you need to accomplish what you have been called to. May you bring your whole self to your life today and the entirety of your life. Amen and amen. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.